Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody and welcome to a special programme from Radio Show Limited. It's the month of May and the culmination of the... Oh, hang on a minute. I need to rip that script up and start again. It's the month of August and the culmination of the month of August, if you're in Indianapolis, is the 104th Indianapolis 500 presented by Gainbridge. Yeah, it's been one of those years, hasn't it? 33 entrants, which means no bump day. All the qualifying is done, and we're going to take a look at all 11 rows of the field in company with Shea Adam, who joins us from Florida. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. And Jeremy Shaw, who joins us from the west coast of America in sunny California. Hello, Jeremy. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you happen to be. <laughs> yes, very good. Very good. Um, uh, uh, first of all, Jeremy, got to, got to say, it's been a strange year for the IndyCar, the NTT IndyCar series, as much as any other sport, and, and particularly motorsport. And Indianapolis in August has had its own particular challenges, particularly in, in qualifying uh, with... Uh, winds with higher temperatures with higher track temperatures perhaps as well uh, and sl- I, I'm slightly disappointed not that the the race is in August but I'm slightly disappointed we only got in fact kind of struggled to limped and a hop and a skip to 33 and there's a few names who didn't make it Yes, it's just been a weird year all around. I mean, yes, you're right in saying that, but uh, there's at least two or three people who had deals pretty much in place. But um, I think there was a bit of collusion here between Chevrolet and Honda to to just keep it to 33, to be perfectly honest. I think that was the the limiting factor at the end of the day. Uh, No Steph Wilson, Cher Adam, uh, and no Pittman Mann. Those are two that we would have loved to have seen there. That breaks quite a long stretch of entries for Pippa and and Steph Wilson prepared to effectively give his prize money up as well but still couldn't get a deal together yeah correct and it's actually I believe the first in 520 years that's going to run without a woman in the field so quite a, a sizable gap there for sure but we did get to that 33 number some of the people in the field maybe not the people that we would rather see than the Steph Wilsons or the Pippa Mans, but it's still wonderful that we do have the full field. We will have the 11 rows going around, and although there won't be any fans in the stands to cheer on the cars, there will be plenty of people at home cheering for one of their favourites. Uh, and guaranteed, of course, a big television audience around the world, including over here in Europe as well as in the United States. I suppose, Jeremy, we should be celebrating the fact that we have actually got 33 um, because in this current climate, just filling the field is pretty well done. And, and we should we should be complimenting the teams, the drivers, the sponsors, NTT, IndyCar, Roger Penske, uh, the IndyCar series, uh, for getting 
33 cars, 11 rows out for the biggest spectacle in American motorsports. Yeah, I, fair comment, certainly. You know, it's yeah, there's, there's a regular, what, 25 or so uh, entrants during the entire NTT IndyCar series. And, you know, the, 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 to put together these extra ones wasn't the work of the moment. But as I say, uh, there, were, there, were, there were certainly several other people out there who had pretty much all, all the money in place. And in a normal year, it would have happened. But like I say, I think uh, I'm pretty sure Honda and Chevrolet, they decided, let's just, let's just keep it to this and, uh, and make things easy for everybody. Before we get on to talking about the field itself, there's a couple of other stories that I'd like to speak about. Um, one is, of course, Jeremy, this is the first Indianapolis 500 where Roger Penske has been at the helm of the IndyCar series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And his presence was felt pretty much immediately with a big clean-up, a lot of investment at the Speedway itself. And... You know, things look good for the Speedway and and for the series. Indeed so. And, and that's you know, one of the great shames about the COVID-19 pandemic, the fact there aren't any fans here because uh, the, 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 the whole place has been spruced up considerably. And everybody who's been going there for years and years and years, not including me, unfortunately, this year, has been really impressed with just the little detailed changes. I mean, that's what Roger Penske is all about. Yes. Everything's got to be the Penske way. And when you go back to the, the Speedway now, for those who haven't been there for quite a long time, it, it is very much the Penske way, which is really not the Indianapolis way uh, in recent years. So the, the place does look great. It's all the facilities have been spruced up. I mean, extra facilities, the fans, extra big screens, you name it. The, the facility has been improved all around. And, you know, the, the, the entire, the track, the city, the state all work really hard to yes. try to make it uh, available for, for fans to come along there. And you know, unfortunately, there have been some, you know, the, the whole COVID, COVID thing has been going kind of up and down. And uh, unfortunately, the, the cases reached up uh, in, the, in the state over the last few weeks. And you decided it really wasn't safe to open it up to the fans. And it is a great shame all around. What do you make, Jeremy, of the... Ferrari third engine supplier, Honda saying they would help a new supplier out to get them up to speed quickly. Um, Ferrari, in one of their perennial spats, uh, regular spats with Formula One. Um, I, I really hope that IndyCar and Roger Penske, who is not a naive man and is a very good businessman, but I really hope he hasn't been used as a stick to beat Formula One with by Ferrari. No, nah, no danger of that. Ferrari's been doing the same thing for 40 odd years now. I remember the the True Sports thing back in the day uh, when there was actually a car built and ready to go and and uh, and, and didn't, didn't come to effect. So, uh, no, uh, sabre rattling, not interested in that. There's been, there's been talk, has it not, over the last you know, four or five years, ever since the, the Lotus fiasco mm. uh, of another manufacturer coming in. And you know, for one reason or another, it, it didn't happen. I think it will down the road. Uh, to, for Honda to come out and say they'll help somebody come on board, I thought that was kind of bizarre, to be perfectly honest. Um, but um, but the, the sound business reasons for that, Jeremy, as you said, you know, if all of a sudden 10 teams don't have to be supplied, that takes pressure off the other two suppliers. And one of the things that frightens off a new manufacturer, whether it's an engine supplier or somebody even building a car, and I think of endurance racing and sports car racing and particularly Le Mans, is trying to come into a paddock where you've got two such well-set uh, 
suppliers as Chevrolet and Honda with all their experience behind them, trying to come in in the first few years and compete with that would be very difficult. It would be very difficult. Um, and you're right, you, 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 a new manufacturer coming in has to has to commit to uh, to supplying you know, a significant portion of the field. You can't just come in with one or two cars yeah. or one or two uh, engines. So, yes, it is a significant investment. And, and that's one of the things I think, yeah, I mean, Honda and arguably to a lesser extent Chevrolet, possibly not. This is a, this is, they're not doing this just for business reasons. Well, I mean, they are doing it for business reasons. The reason is to, to make, to make some money out of it. Yeah. Um, rather than the traditional engine supplier formula, if you like, where, where there's, it's more marketing driven than, than, than business driven. And, and uh, I think, you know, nowadays, you know, the economic situation is difficult and, and Honda, you know, can can see the attraction of having another manufacturer in there, so they don't have, don't have to uh, supply as many engines, quite frankly. And that, of course, Honda's effort comes out of Honda Performance Developments, which is based in Santa Clarita, in the great state of California, uh, which is a an offshoot. It's not going back through Japan, as far as I'm aware, Jeremy. That's all being run out of HPD. I think it is nowadays. Yes, in the early days, there was a lot of interaction between uh, mm. Japan and America, and I'm not honestly sure. I must admit, because I haven't really been up there for quite a long time, but uh, I there's certainly, I think, much more autonomy now with the HPD side of things over here, taking care of pretty much everything. Uh, well, that's talk of the slightly further distant future than the 104th Indianapolis 500 presented by Gamebridge on Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern. 11 rows. Uh, let's start on the back row of the grid and work forward. There are some big names that we're going to get to quite quickly in this. The uh, slowest, and that's relative when you talk about Indianapolis, the slowest qualifier uh, in the first part of qualifying, and remember the top three rows were reset uh, and those guys went again for the Firestone top nine. We'll obviously get to those towards the end of the show. Uh, ben Hanley qualified a, a tad under 223 miles an hour. That's what I mean by the slowest qualifier is a relative term at Indianapolis. Jart Hildebrand uh, is in the middle of the back row and Sage Caram, uh, and that's two Dreyer and Reinbold racing cars. That's Sage and JR and a Dragon Speed for Ben Hanley. Uh, let's let's start, uh, Jeremy, with you for these three. Um, Dreyer and Reinbold, two cars there on the back. Um, Sage, JR and Ben Hanley for Dragon Speed. What do you make of, uh, of row 11? Yeah, the Dragon Speed thing was a bit was a uh, was that was the last deal to come into place, really, the last entry to come into place to to make up the thirty three car field. Uh, Elton Julian, there, you know, he's passionate about his racing uh, and about the opportunity to come to Indianapolis, but it was a bit of a last minute thrash to to get it all together, and they had some mechanical problems, electrical problems in the early part of the practice sessions. And let's talk about that initially because practice this week it was a shortened week, uh, not only. For, for the team, so there's a lot less track time than usual, and there was a lot of trepidation about that going into the week. Thankfully, the weather this week has been really, really good in Indianapolis, so there was no uh, problems there in terms of you know, track time being cut short, which is really quite unusual, particularly for this time of year, actually, for Indianapolis. So that was the good news. The bad news was uh, for Dragon Speed, with those electrical problems early on, they missed the first couple of days. So they were way behind the eight ball coming in here into into qualifying. So 
get it in the field and worry about uh, worry about the race after that. That's what, that was their primary focus. And pretty much it was the same for the Dryan Reinbold team as well. Just you know, focus on uh, on make on on the on the race. They knew they weren't going to be qualifying uh, with no opportunity to get into the, into the onto the pole or even to the top nine. So they've pretty much focused their efforts on the on the race all the way through. Uh, and in fairness, in the early part of the IndyCar season, the NTT IndyCar series, uh, it's been the Hondas that have struggled for, with electrical problems. And here we had a, a Chevrolet. I think just really underlining what Jeremy was saying is how quickly that Dragon Speed Ben Hanley, young Brit driver, uh, came together. Yeah, Rolex 24-hour winner this year, too, for Ben Hanley, so he knows what time it is. Uh, but <laughs> it's been an interesting start this season with Honda sweeping the first four races, Chip Ganassi Racing actually taking the first four races. But then they got to ovals, and it was the Chevrolets that were stronger, Team Penske taking both wins at Iowa. We come back to Indianapolis, and we'll get to it when we get into the, the top nine. But there aren't very many bow ties no. in that top nine. There's actually only one. So have the tides changed again towards Honda? Have they figured out the electrical issues? And now maybe it is in the Chevy's court to try and sort the rest of their demons out. It is going to be fun to watch. I have heard from uh, Honda teams in the past that if Honda get their engine, it's not obviously going to be exactly the same spec uh, for a 500-mile uh, oval races it would be for uh, a road course or a street circuit it's in a slightly different state of tune shall we say and when honda get their indie engines right they tend to be very right indeed row number 10 uh, max chilton 227.3 in the 59 carlin aj foyt have charlie kimball in the number four car 227.7 and 228.3 jeremy elio castro nevis row 10 team penske now, all right, Elio not doing a full series this year, but it's not like he's forgotten how to drive around the Oval. Uh, Penske, as we'll find out, have not had a stellar uh, week, weeks building up to the Indianapolis 500. Um, Chevrolet has not had a stellar <laughs> week leading up to the 500. Actually, leading up to qualifying, everything was fine. Uh, but in qualifying trim, with the extra boost, and you know, they turned up that boost on Friday, uh, for some reason, which still kind of escapes me, it's, it's pu- purely aesthetics, I suppose, uh, because they turned up with the boost for Friday and, and for qualifying over the weekend, then turned it back down again for the race. Like I said, I can't really see the point in that. But uh, for some reason, yeah, the last few years, Chevrolet has seemed to have the better car the, the better engine for qualifying, i.e. in high boost trim. And then when it comes back to the race, it's all pretty, pretty even. This year, total opposite. And I've spoken to various people uh, in Indianapolis about this, and no one really has a clue. Honda, the, the, the folks at Honda obviously <laughs> will know, uh, and they're not sharing that information, no. which goes back to that scepticism about them helping other teams coming in. But uh, but back to, yeah, <laughs> but, but certainly it's, all, it's been all Honda in in uh, in qualifying and 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 that explains most of the reason why Castroneves is there is so far back down the field. But if you look at his qualifying time, you know he, he's he's he was about a second and a bit down on most of the other um, on most of the other qualifiers from Chevrolet in qualifying. But that's a four lap run, so that's you know two tenths of a second a lap yeah. uh, compared to to the other Chevrolet contender so you know yes he's at the back of the of the uh, almost at the back of the chevrolet pack but uh, trust me he's got a great car and he showed it in the uh, final practice on sunday afternoon when i think he was second quickest 
And Shea, it's not as if Elior um, hasn't got experience uh, around the two and a half miles of Indianapolis. No, although he's not the driver with the most laps led in the race, uh, which is quite an interesting fact. Um, But Elio going for his 20th Indy 500 start and every single one of them coming at the hands of Roger Penske. That's pretty remarkable. He's got three wins, of course, looking to join the four win club and four poles to his name. But last year with the 18th place finish, he is looking for a little bit better of a uh, result than that. Uh, one thing I will say is that, you know, the midfield, um, if you take out Ben Hanley, and, and we've and we've spoken about that, uh, and if you take out the last row, in fact, everybody else's times, and, and, you know, they are listed as average speeds over that four-lap qualifying, as, uh, as that is the tradition. Um, Jeremy's got the times as well, of course. But we are looking at literally a few tenths of a mile an hour um, between the most of the guys that didn't make it into the top nine. And if we move forward to row number nine, the longest team name, I think, goes to the number 51 car, Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware Racing, Bird and Bellardi Auto Racing and Uncle Tom Cobley and all uh, on that. James Davison back to 28.7. Fernando Alonso for Arrow McLaren SP in the 66 car, now with Chevrolet Power. Oh, doesn't he wish he hadn't fallen out with Honda and had to leave the nice, warm, comfy blanket of uh, Andretti Autosports. Uh, and Simon Paginot, 228.8. Shea, James Davidson, first of all, in, in that three, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the other two in a second. Nice to have him back. Yeah, he's run five in D500 so far this year, going to be his sixth. And his best finish was last year where he came home 12th. So he's definitely the person on this row who's going to get the least attention because you're next to Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion in Formula One. And, of course, Simon Pagano, defending race winner from last year. So it's going to be a very um, camera-focused row. Let's put it that way. It'll be getting a lot of the camera shots. But for Simon Pagano, it's actually pretty interesting. This will be his ninth attempt at the Indy 500. Last year, getting his win was the first time he's ever finished in the top five. So he doesn't exactly have the best record at Indy. He will be trying to set that right. But starting 25th, it's a big, big way to go up to the front. How much does how much does track position in a 500-mile race? It's like saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting 45th at Le Mans and there's 24 hours to go, Jeremy. The... The chance of getting caught up in something early on, absolutely, I understand that. But survive the first hour, hour and a half of the race, and does it matter that Fernando, Simon Pagino, anybody in fact who's back down there, is is on row nine rather than row, let's say, row six or row five? No, it really doesn't. Uh, I mean, and particularly for what we're just talking about, the fact that you know, Honda, for some reason, had a massive advantage in qualifying. You look at the, the, the grid, the top 12 in the grid, there's one Chevrolet. Yes. The final 13 in the grid, there is, there's one Honda. Um, I mean, it's just amazing how, 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 how big that's, how far that pendulum has swung for this year. So uh, I think uh, everybody, pretty much everybody, has a chance of winning this race. Track position, though, to answer your question, yes, it is important because it's not easy to pass with the, the current breed of IndyCar on the on the oval. Uh, and I don't think the new aero screen has made much of a difference from what I can 
from what I can gather to whether or not you can overtake. But certainly it isn't as easy as it is on some of the oval on some of the other ovals, nor indeed, uh, you know, even as it has been here in the past, it's been a lot easier to overtake in Indianapolis in the past than it is now. But but having said that, there's so many factors at play out during the race there's so much strategy can be played play exactly. with the pit stops and what have you so no I, I wouldn't count I literally wouldn't count out any of these can, these guys to, in terms of getting, getting up towards the front and in some ways Jeremy if you are a Pagano or uh, an Elio or a Fernando uh, or any of the people we're going to mention in the next couple or three rows to be honest does it in some ways does that open up the strategy a little bit because if you're at the front if you're in the top three rows, maybe even four rows, the last thing you want to do is do something wacky and take yourself out of contention. Whereas these guys at the back could go off strategy quite early on and wait for the race to come back to them. Yeah, the problem with that, of course, is uh, if you make a pit stop here, you, you're pretty much going to go a lap down. Unless you're right up towards the front of the pack, yeah. you're going to go a lap down. Uh, and that's what you want to avoid. There's no uh, there's, there's no lucky dog um I don't think is there. These no, does not. No. Is there? So yeah, it's not like not like NASCAR where where you can get you you lap back relatively easily. You can do it in IndyCar racing certainly, but it's a lot more difficult. So you want to try and stay on the lead lap if you possibly can. Uh, we're looking at the NTT IndyCar Series next race. It is the Indianapolis 500 on Sunday. Share Adam and Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindoff, in this Radio Show Limited special. A lot of big names towards the back of the grid, but not out of it, says Jeremy Shaw. I'll be asking them. Uh, and my two guests for their picks later on from uh, the field and uh, from uh, what is a very competitive uh, set of rookies towards the sharp, um, sharp end of the field as well. Row 8, uh, just under 229 miles an hour, 228.880 for AJ Foyt's number 41 Canadian driver Dalton Kellett. Uh, Tony Canan also for AJ Foyt uh, in the 14 car, 229.1, 229.7. Uh, quite a big jump there, actually. To Will Power, another Team Penske car. Cher, uh, tell me about Dalton Kellett, uh, the Canadian. He's got the Maple Leaf uh, on his uh, overalls. Well, he hasn't run in the Indy 500 before, but he has run in the Freedom 100, and three times in that race he's finished third. So he does have experience running on the speedway in a racing situation, which could be an advantage over some of the other rookies that he's going to be going up against and then having his teammate Tony Kanaan alongside of him I'm not sure if that's going to be a benefit or not because <laughs> I've never seen Tony Kanaan more eager to come out and try and win a single race than he is to try and get this 500 he realizes it's probably his last one it's his 19th go at it it's been uh what eight years now since his win back in 2013 which was still such an emotional experience i got goosebumps actually just remembering standing in the infield of that one uh and then will power all the way on the inside the other side of tony Kanon. it's gonna be a rough couple of laps for dalton kellett as he slots into position but i do have belief in the canadian i think he can surprise a few people this year uh tony Kanon and, and will power jeremy shaw two you know well-known teams aj Foyt and team penske again i suppose it's kind of rinse and repeat from what we've said from the guys behind stay out of trouble early get some track position try and stay calm and then make your moves later in the race yeah absolutely i mean the experience is is super important at indianapolis no question about that so uh, that is uh, what they're going to be relying upon during this race and you know they, they know they can get it done i think uh, there's been some some gains here um from AJ Foyt racing over the winter compared to, to, to years past. And, um, 
you know, I think uh, I think they should be in good shape. Will Power, you never count him out, do no. you? So, you know, it, it, again, another strong uh, a strong lineup here. So it's interesting talking about Dalton Kellett though, uh, and the, the the depth of this field mm-hmm. is just is sensational. It really is sensational. I think probably the only two guys in the entire field who haven't won a sort of a, a major league open wheel race would be Dalton. Uh, Kellett and uh, and Santino Ferrucci. Uh, I think everybody else wow. uh, has probably won something you know significant on on the way up through the ladder. Uh, and Santino Ferrucci, uh, like him or not, as you know, he's shown his paces in this field. And, and as Shay rightly pointed out, Dalton has some had some very good results, particularly on the ovals. And he's super excited to make his debut this year. Um, Oliver Askew. Um, you know very well he's on the outside of row seven uh, a tad under 230 mile an hour uh, qualifying 229.7 but that puts him down on row seven and didn't get anywhere near the firestone fast uh, nine and we'll get to those in a moment arrow mclaren sp's teammate pato award is a little bit further up um but th- this these two youngsters for Arrow McLaren SP have been impressive and thoroughly deserve their drive this year, particularly the young American Oliver Askew, Jeremy. Yeah, he's been very, very impressive. I mean, he comes into this into this season with probably the least amount of experience of anybody else in the field in, in overall racing. Well, he, he and Rina's VK, they've only been racing for, for three years. You know, they did a season each of USF 2000. Uh, of Indy Pro 2000 and in Indy Lights, the three steps on the on the on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires, and you know those two shone at each of those levels. The difference that Reedus has done, he's done all sorts of other things as well. Oliver hasn't, but uh, he he's a quick learner, and you know as it was apparent from right from when he first started out in a car. Uh, having had a stellar karting career, that he was somewhere very special. And he's already shown that this season in, in the various other IndyCar races this year. So I think uh, he's going to be good. I think he's going to have a good solid race. He's not, he's not necessarily looking to win the race. <laughs> I lie. Um, but, uh, you know, he's he, he, he's going to be in contention. He really is going to be in contention. I think, you know, the, on this row, perhaps the surprise was Jack Harvey, who was super quick mm. in, the quali- in the practice sessions and for some reason didn't go quite right uh, for his qualifying run, and so he's a little bit lower down than uh, the other people would would you know, than, than perhaps he was certainly he was expecting, and the team was expecting, and I've expected as well. But again, you look at all these guys on this row, and a half a second in a four lap run yes. would have put them right on the brink of being in the top nine in qualifying. That's how, how close it all was. So you're talking a tenth, a tenth and a half per lap is what we're talking about there. Just think about that for a moment. In two and a half miles. Yes, yeah. exactly. Think about that. Uh, the good news for Jack Harvey and for the team, Adam, is that Maya Shank Racing have that pink and black Sirius XM sponsored car in the race. And Mike Shank has made no secret of the fact that he's super excited about being back in Indianapolis. Yeah, this is another opportunity for the dream to come true for Mike Shank. And he won't be at all upset going between uh, VIR on Saturday for the IMSA race and then getting on a plane and flying to Indy to call the strategy for Jack Harvey on Sunday for the Indy 500. That's pretty much a dream. And it's uh, it's a neat opportunity, particularly when you think that we're also going to have the same thing from uh, Vassar Sullivan, that they'll be doing the same thing, too, for their IndyCar program. But um, for Jack Harvey, it's already his fourth Indy 500. That seems hard to believe. 
But as Jeremy rightly said, it was surprising to see that he qualified so far down because we have come to expect more pace from this car that's qualified on the front row twice this year already. So if Jack can race his way back up a little bit further, I think that pink and black car will be one that we're talking about during the race. Uh, row number eight in this year's Indy 500, uh, Jeremy, is an all-American affair as far as the uh, driving talent uh, is confirmed. With uh, is concerned with two Ed Carpenter Racing uh, machines on the outside, one for Connor Daly, one for his team leader uh, Ed Carpenter on the inside, and Zach Veach in the middle. Let's start with Connor Daly because uh, he's he's had to swap and change again uh, this year uh, between teams to to get a quote-unquote full season with Ed Carpenter racing uh, on the ovals and and Connor, another driver who is, I think, woefully, woefully uh, undervalued uh, when we see what he can do in basically anything that he drives. Uh, he's he's had a fast car all, all week too. He was, on Friday, he was the second fastest of all. Um, that included all the, uh, all the Hondas. I mean, there was only one Honda in the top 10 in the practice session on Fast Friday when they had the, the extra boost, uh, and he was second overall on that wow. list. So uh, he put together a stellar lap there. Um, you know, again, qualifying, like I say, it's it's not really it's not really relevant this season in many ways because I don't expect the qualifying order to have really any relation to the uh, to the to the form we're going to see from most of the drivers in the race. But uh, he's got a good car. He's uh, highly motivated. He's his confidence is up. Uh, the car looks great mm. in the U.S. Air Force colours, and uh, I think Connor can be a factor. Uh, Ed Carpenter, uh, Jeremy as well. Well, you know, he has become an oval specialist and in some ways an indie specialist as well over uh, the last few years of his career. But as you say, the team absolutely know how to put a good oval car together. Yeah, they do. And Ed, he was super disappointed with his, with the, the fact that the, the Chevrolets weren't competitive in qualifying. So 16th, um, she might know what where, where that puts him in, in terms of his uh, overall qualifying runs in Indianapolis, uh, but it's a long way back from where he would uh, was anticipating, day. certainly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, he, again, he races well. Uh, Zach Beecher, he's been the, uh, he's been holding up the uh, the tail of the, of the Andretti Autosport juggernaut through the practice and qualifying, uh, but uh, he's still fast and very capable. Uh, thoughts on Ed Carpenter, Zach Veach, Colin Daly, uh, share just quickly. Uh, Ed Carpenter's 17th Indy 500 already. He's finished second once, and as Jeremy said, uh, 16th, not exactly his best qualifying. He's qualified on the front row a handful of times. For Zach Veach, he's never really done well at the Indy 500. It's one of those races that he needs to get the monkey off of his back. And for Connor Daly, it's just another opportunity to try and win the race that he's wanted to win ever since he was a small boy. And that is true of his press releases. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Raw number, uh, what are we on to now? Five, Raw number five. Uh, and we're into the solidly into the 230 mile an hour qualifiers now on that four lap average uh, on qualifying Saturday last weekend. Uh, Pato Award for 
Uh, Arrow McLaren SP, the young Mexican, did have a, a late go on Saturday afternoon. The conditions probably weren't really perfectly conducive to improving, but he, he had another a goal. Felix Rosenquist for Chip Ganassi and uh, multiple champion and race winner Joseph Newgarden uh, on there as well, Jeremy, just underlining uh, what you were saying about how it's been, how difficult it's been for the Chevrolet runners. Yeah, that's right. But uh, again, you know, Joseph, well, he's he's going to be a factor, no question about that. So is Pado Awards, supremely confident. Felix Rosenquist has been a bit of a, a surprise to me this week, and I'm uh, not quite sure why he's uh, down in 14th. I would have expected him to have a, a better qualifying run. Um, the team also, I think, is a little bit, little bit perplexed because uh, Scott Dixon in the other Chip Ganassi car, he was... Uh, the, he was significantly ahead of, of both Felix and, and the third car, Marcus Ericsson, through the qualifying runs. But uh, again, you, they will be three contenders uh, on race day. Shep, uh, Joseph won't want to be sitting back there for very long. Uh, he knows what can happen in the midfield. Uh, Felix... Uh, depends which Felix turns up, I think, a little bit. Uh, I like to see him. I like his driving style for Chip Ganassi. Pato Award has been outstanding, the young Mexican. Your thoughts on, on row six? Uh, this is a row that's paying a lot more attention to the points than just about any other row in the point. field. Joseph comes in third with one win and three poles. Felix getting his first win at Road America, but he's way down in ninth in points. And Pato, who's surprisingly actually fourth in points in his first season uh, with the one pole, of course. So these are three guys who are thinking long term. They're also thinking about trying to win this race, of course, but they do have that little voice in the back of their head, particularly for Joseph, who's coming in and trying to defend his championship, that nagging little voice saying, hey, this is a, a big points day. We got to get some more of those to try and catch up to Simon and ultimately Dixie. But isn't this bigger than the championship, though? Surely. Uh, you're an Indy yes. 500 winner. It's it's like, you know, it's the old argument about Le Mans World Endurance Championship, World Sports Car Championship. You know, this is bigger than the championship, isn't it, Jeremy? Absolutely it is. Yeah, that, that, the, the championship is not going to be in these guys' minds until the last maybe maybe 10 laps if they're outside you know the top leading pack let's say then they're going to then sure the points finish. racing yes but up until then forget it no this is way bigger than the championship uh row four the last of the rows that qualified on their saturday runs uh, again all in the 230 and a half or better uh, area of qualifying not exactly hanging around and throwing an anchor out the back spencer piggott uh, in the real letterman lanigan racing with citron Beale autosport number 45 marcus erickson for Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing. And that is the proper way to see it. Uh, Colton Herter. Oh, so lucky not to get into the Firestone Fast 9. He was in there for quite a long time and got bumped out right at the very end in the Andretti Harding Steinbrenner Autosport number 88. Uh, again, there's a couple of lads in there that you know very well. Spencer Piggott and Colton Herter, Jeremy. A couple of young American chargers with Marcus Ericsson who's held his own for Chip Ganassi Racing, more than held his own, sitting in the middle of, of the two Stars and Stripes runners either side of him. Yeah, again, three three fast cars here. Spencer Piggott, he's been superb this season. He's, he's just had the one race coming into here on the road course with uh, the Citroën Buell team. Did a fantastic job there. Really should have finished on the podium, if not for a mechanical problem in the late stages. And he's been quick you know, all the way through this, this the week in practice as well. A little bit disappointed he was, certainly, well, actually, bigly. 
greatly disappointed not to be in the top nine, but super, super close. Done a really good job for that team. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's, he's got a good car underneath him. Marcus, yeah, you know, this is, he's, he's just gaining more and more experience. He's got a really good head on his shoulders, has Marcus Ericsson. And, uh, you know, has been, has been strong and will be strong in the race. Cotton Herder, yeah, he's been a bit of an outlier, hasn't he, this week? It's been surprising not to see him challenging up at the front of the, of the, of the field. For, for for the week, he, I'm not sure where he was at the highest highest day. Um, he's been you know, around about the top ten, I think, most of the time. I guess he was six on on day two, uh, but uh, hasn't hasn't shown scintillating pace uh, on the speedway this season, nor actually in actual fact mm. uh, in the season so far. So maybe on Sunday is a day for for, for things to turn around for Colton Herter for the 2020 season. Share your thoughts about row number four. Uh, I agree with Jeremy and what he says about Colton. Um, You've got to feel for him because he is sort of this child prodigy. He's been told forever (laughs) that he's the son of Brian Herta. You've got so much pressure on you. And then the first ever Indy 500, he finished 33rd. He had that gearbox issue, I seem to remember. He was the last car. It's the second Indy 500, and he's the first He went out on the warm-up lap, didn't he? Uh, I think it was on like lap three of the yeah, race. It, it was. It felt very early. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was very early. Um, so then to to bounce back from that, to come back to have so much speed and then not be able to make it into the fast nine, um, it sort of was a little bit of a, a down to earth moment. And I really, really want Colton to do well here because there are so many people out there who are just urging him forward. But it is sort of one of those situations where you're going. Oh man, he should be there. Even though he, we still have to remember, this is only his second ever Indy 500. Yeah, that is a good point. Lot of uh, lot of pressure on him, and you know, going to Andretti Harding, Steinbrenner, Autosport for the 88, and his dad. He doesn't even get his dad as his his engineer or his strategist. You know, he's he's working on someone <laughs> else's car, which seems a bit harsh. The Fast Nine. Uh, I I watched. I consumed the last couple of hours of qualifying uh, on Saturday and I made sure that everything else that was going on on Sunday, I watched the Fast 9 pretty close to live, actually. Put the phone out the way, didn't have the, the, the live timing on. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. There is still something, Jeremy, about the form of qualifying that is Indianapolis where a single car qualified, the four-lap average their wind changing, the weather changing, and because they're running in reverse order up to the person who's got the best time prior to that, it's a bit like watching the, the second run of a bobsleigh. The, 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 you know, the, the story is building. You're getting towards the end. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Andretti dominated in terms of numbers in the Fast 9, but they clearly didn't quite get it right for Alexander Rossi, one of eight winners of the race who's in the event. He'll start in ninth in the number 27. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That he should be uh, you know, that far down the field because mm. uh, yeah, he was third at the end of the first day, had high expectations, the team did. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the bad news with having, having had such a good day on Saturday was that those top three uh, all went out they they went out you know seventh eighth and ninth in the Correct. final order on Sunday and yes I love that aspect where the the quickest guy goes last you know can he or can't he uh, and this day you know, the final guy could uh, but for 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 uh, Alexander Rossi yeah, big, big disappointment for him and it think it just you know on those final laps it, because the conditions were so different to how they've been on Saturday. 
uh, with with the extra wind, the gusty wind, they just didn't get it right. And I think the guys who had you know had their cars really trimmed out and maybe slid a little bit too, you know, the cars were sliding a little bit too much on the first lap or first lap or two, then uh, you know the tires got a bit hot and then they they drifted back in the uh, in the final stages of the four lap run. And that's probably what happened to Alexander Rossi. Uh, but uh, you know he's. Uh, yeah, he knows how to win these races, doesn't he? Does he's he going to be does. a guy to watch on the first lap? That's for sure. Well, he's the he's the guy in some ways, Shea, that everybody loves to hate. You know, he's he's he's. There's nobody who just thinks he's kind of okay and is sitting on the fence about Alexander Rossi. There are the Rossi <laughs> fans, or they're absolutely not, and he doesn't care about rubbing people up the wrong way. Quite clearly, but this is a race where, at the at the start of the race, at least, he's got to use the undoubted skill that he's got to keep himself out of trouble and keep himself in contention. He has some kind of a special bond with Indianapolis. <laughs> and it it's true because he's run it uh, four times and his average finish is 3.5. So he's won it. Wow. He's finished second. He's finished fourth. And I think he finished sixth was the other one. But he, for some reason, this place seems to suit him and his driving style. If we think back to 2016 when he won the race and it was the giant surprise to everybody under the sun and he didn't even know what to do with the milk. They had to tell him to pour it over him and and to drink some and he didn't know any of the customs. Long has that since passed and changed and I think Alexander Rossi wants to win it again just to prove to everyone that he deserves to be considered an Indy 500 winner. Yes, he got the win in 2016, but he kind of lucked into it by fuel saving and by everyone else running out of fuel. He wants to do it again on pure pace and show the fact that he is one of the people to win this race. Wins a win, no asterisk, though. Middle of row three, Graham Rahal, Graham Rahal, Rahal Letterman, Lanigan, <laughs> racing in the United Re- uh, Rentals car. Graham, um, I thought put share a pretty decent performance in to be honest uh, another honda runner yeah. uh, of course sits in the middle of row three his car looked quite sketchy though during it the qualifying did. particularly on saturday he had a couple of moments where he had to have big lifts and a couple of moments where i think pretty much everyone under the sun including him thought he was going to go kiss the wall um but it's already his 13th indy 500 so graham who's been around for a very long time in indycar he now knows that this is go or go home sort of time uh, about to be a father for the first time graham and his wife courtney um but he has finished well before in the race but it's been since 2011 since he's been in the top three for a finishing position last year didn't finish the race he had a crash coming off a turn three it's a lot for graham rahal this year and i just hope he gets a car that's a little more settled and looks a little bit more like his teammate's car than it looks like his car from last weekend Uh, and and jeremy graham uh, you know no longer the kids uh we we say this when we do our indie previews every year he's he's got the famous name Uh, he's in his dad's team uh, as well um i actually think he's been driving quite well this year yeah i agree with you i think he has and yeah he he went into qualifying on sunday with a slightly different setup to his teammate uh it didn't quite work out for him but uh i think they've got all they've got a lot of information there now we've got three cars in that in that team along with the uh, Citroen Buell car of, of Spencer Piggott and I think they've all got good information uh, they've all three got great experience and you know they uh, 
that should be uh, should be a factor. You know, Graham always something seems to go wrong, doesn't it, for Graham? Yes. So he's he's got to steer clear of of uh, adversity. It's it's almost as if as if Graham and the Rahal name has inherited the Andretti bad luck at uh, at the at the speedway. Um, more of that uh, in a few moments. Uh, on the inside of Row Three, one of these stories uh, of the run up to the 104th running of the Indy 500 is Alex Palo, the Spanish driver for Dale Coyne Racing with Team Go and a young man making his way in the series Uh, and I thought the comment at the weekend about both the the rookies in the Fast 9 was great they don't know what they don't know and perhaps they don't have the imagination to to worry about it Um, first of all Team Go, GOH, is that that's not the same Team Go, shoot that that ran Le Mans cars with down through the years, including with Audi. Is it? It's not. Is it? It can't be. Yeah, Japanese. Kazumichi Go. It is. Kazumichi Go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, okay. Well, I'm pleased I asked that question then. Um, Alex Palou, um, f- f- just just fabulous, fabulous for the two rookies. We'll get to Renus in a moment, Jeremy. And he he has. He's clearly he's taken to this very well indeed, hasn't he? Well, he has, uh, and you know, he's really, he's really taken it to his heart. He, the, his helmet colour scheme has got the American flag on it, Smart boy. Or, 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 a, or a version of it. Uh, so, you know, he's he's really embracing the whole, the whole Indianapolis theme of things, and you know, he's got a great attitude. Uh, he's he's loved it amongst within the team as well. They're really impressed with him, with his attitude, with his approach, with with how he goes about everything. So, you know, he's uh, he's delivered. And uh, it's great to see another a Dale Coyne car up in the front of the field there uh, with all the big boys. Yeah, and that's a very good point because Dale um, has worked so hard down through the years, been a, um, a, around the scene for such a long time and has always tried to to help the series out when the series was nowhere near as uh, as well supported uh, as it is now. Alex Palosier, what do you reckon to the Spaniard? Well, he got that third place finish at Road America. He did impress people on the road course before we even got to the Iowa Oval. Coming in and making the top nine, the fast nine shootout, definitely unexpected for any rookie. Definitely coming into their first Indy 500. But for Alex, he's turning a lot of heads for all the right reasons. And he has been living, I believe, in Austin, Texas. So he is trying to adapt to the sort of American way of life. What better way to do that than by winning our biggest race? Well, and it's on. As Jeremy said, everybody is so close uh, this year. Shea, stay with you for the first crack. It's row two. Outside of row two, uh, back in a car. James Hinchcliffe at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a place where he has suffered the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune down through the years. He's got the Genesis deal together uh, with Honda, of course, uh, and Andretti Autosport. Um, he'll be, I mean, I think he was pretty pleased to be in the Fast 9 on the outside of the second row. That's not a bad place to be, is it? No, definitely not. Uh, for Hinch, it should be his 10th Indy 500 but he had the car withdrawn after his crash, and he didn't make the show once, so it's only right. his eighth go of it. Best finish of sixth. I think this is the year that Hinch can improve upon that, especially when you're considering he's starting sixth. So really, only one way to go is up. Um, but for James, it, it's a different year. He hasn't been in the car for every race. He's been doing a very limited program. So he has been able to focus on the fact that this is the main goal of 2020. 
And he doesn't have that underlying issue of worrying about anything else besides this one race because he knows that all the sponsorship, all of the everything he's been working towards all year, it doesn't matter after this one. This no. is it. Uh, and and Jeremy, uh, Shea makes a good point there in in that James is one of uh, you know a few drivers for whom this is their first outing this year. Does it help or hinder that there's been so uh, been a truncated amount of running? Uh, the speedway. I was absolutely shocked when uh, some of the fast nine didn't go out for the extra practice that they could have done on on Sunday morning. I would have thought, you know, getting a bit of extra uh, miles, a few extra miles under the wheels, would have been something everybody wanted to do. Yeah, it was a, that was a surprise. I didn't see so few few cars out there, but they got plenty of running in during the week. James Hinch just knows knows his way around this track. Uh, you know, the Andretti team, you know, with the six cars they got, they got, you know, reams and reams of, of information, of yeah. data. So, you know, they didn't have to to, uh, to worry about that. You know, the problem for James, I think, in qualifying, and, uh, you know, he's a little bit disappointed to be on the outside of the second row. But uh, it's 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 better than the day before. He was seventh the day before, sixth in, uh, in qualifying. And, you know, that meant that he was the first of the Andretti cars Correct. to go in that final nine. So, you know, that's always... Uh, a, a, you know, a slight handicap, no question about it, because the other the other team cars can learn from him. So, uh, but look, but look, he's, he's done a great job all, all the way through the week, uh, and will continue to do so in the race. And you know, he has a. It's not as if he hasn't raced all this season. He has had a race under his belt, and he, and uh, you know, he should be he should be fine come race day. Uh, everybody that we've spoken to about up to Hinge, I, I'm fairly certain. Let me just quickly scroll down and check this out. I've got a feeling, uh, yeah, Ryan Hunter as well uh, in the 28 Andretti Autosport. They didn't go any quicker on Sunday than they had on Saturday uh, when they qualified for the the Fast 9. Ryan Hunter then, Andretti Autosports, uh, an, another one of the uh, juggernauts, as Jeremy said, that is the six-car entry. Uh, uh, RHR, Jeremy, um, a, a bit of an enigma sometimes, Ryan. You, you you look at him and think, how has he not done more than he has sometimes? And then sometimes you see him do things and say, think to yourself, how has he done what he's done? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he, but he's great. He's got a super amount of experience. Again, he's another guy who seems to be a magnet for bad luck. Yes. Particularly particularly at the speedway, perhaps. But, you know, he's got to be hoping that everything falls his way. He's certainly got a good car again. And, you know, you talked about the fact that, you know, who came closest to their uh, Saturday lap speed average on Sunday. Uh, the answer to that, the only guy, nobody was, was as quick as they had been the previous day. The closest was was Takuma Sato. Uh, so we'll come to him in a moment. Right. But uh, for Ryan, you know, he's uh, he knows exactly what it takes to win this race because he's done it. Uh, and he uh, is... He knows he's got a good car. You know, the, the, the problem for him is he's got all these other fast teammates around him, let alone the other quick contenders from the other teams as well. So it's going to be a, kind of a lottery, I think, on Sunday. And where is, where's Ryan in terms of, of the championship? What sort of a championship has he had uh, this year coming into this big event? Not great. To put it bluntly, he's 15th in points for 2020. But when you consider the opportunity that the Indy 500 gives to drivers, he does know how to win it. Jeremy said that. He knows how to win championships. He's pretty far down right now, so all he needs to worry about is go out and win the race. And it's his 
13th Indy 500. So it's wow. not exactly like he's coming into this with a, a blank card in his hand and he doesn't know what to expect. If he's going to have a shot at the championship, he needs the win to try and get himself back into the points. Rena's VK is on the inside of Raw 2. Dutch... Uh, rookie this year, Ed Carpenter Racing. We've said how great the guys set the cars up, but you've still got to have the nut behind the wheel, Jeremy, to pedal it around. In in some ways, he was a little unfortunate not to be even a bit quicker. He was sitting on the outside of the front row, and by his own, uh, certainly when he, uh, on admission when he was being interviewed, he, he felt he could have done even a little bit better, but driving into turn one at 240 miles an hour uh, with the wind behind you as it was on Sunday. Uh, welcome to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Renus. Massively impressive, Renus. I mean, he took full advantage of his early draw. He, he, he drew number four for qualifying on Saturday. Uh, and uh, that was that, you know, that kind of put the ball in his court. He was able to, to lay down uh, four really good laps early in the day before the temperature heated up on the track, uh, and they stayed you know, stayed good enough to keep him in the in the top nine. Uh, the only Chevrolet to do so, you know, remarkable mm. feat. Uh, and again, you know, he, his back w- was against the wall in qualifying. That that Ed Carpenter team, they know exactly what it takes to go fast. You know, he, like I say, he had the, the the advantage. I think the other two would have been up with him if not for the fact they they went uh, later in the day on Saturday when it was probably 20 degrees warmer. Mm track temperature it just makes a huge difference to the uh, to the center of pressure on these cars the downforce levels and yeah but but hats off to Rike he's just done a sensational job all the way through the week and as indeed the last few races is a rocky start to his career with a yes. couple of crashes in Texas but he he's bounced back to be the Renus that, that we've seen over the last uh, three years on the road to Indy yeah, and that is key isn't it I know Jeremy talks about this all the time uh, he likes to see the guys coming up through the road to Indy. He's clearly been a quick study, made a few rookie errors. You could only say that at the start of the year. All of a sudden, he's looking extremely mature when he's behind the wheel of the car and the way that he's driving, and clearly has built up a fantastic rapport with Ed Carpenter Racing, with his, with his team engineer, because he believes that he can do it in the car. And that's so important at Indy. Yeah, it is. It's invaluable. And and when you think about uh, the fact that he was third in the Freedom 100 last year, so he does have the experience from the, the Indy Lights version of the race. He sounds different, though, in his interviews now. When when they were talking to him out of the car at Indy, he sounded way different than he did when they talked to him at, say, Road America or Iowa or any other one of the beginning races of the year. He is maturing, and he, and he's picking it up very quickly. I I don't think very many people would have guessed that he would have been the best qualifying rookie before everything got started at the Indianapolis 500. But he's definitely proven that he is worthy of being the fastest Chevrolet in the field. If you'd had a little uh, delightful daily double on that as a bit of a bet that he would be the best qualifying rookie and the best qualifying Chevrolet. I think you'd have got decent odds on that. Uh, front row, Takuma Sato, Rahal, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Uh, great to see former winner Takuma Sato right back into form. Uh, and on the outside, the front row, Shea Adam. He's a fan favourite. Uh, it's an international front row, uh, which we'll come to in a moment. But it's really important for him, for the series, and for RLL Racing. 
Do you think there was a happier person in the Speedway than Bobby Ray Hall when he found out that one of his cars was going to be on the front row? Uh, for Takuma, 2017 winner. Last year, he was third. He's got such a wave of momentum going for the Indianapolis race for the 500. It's his 11th time in it. And he is another one of those, like Ryan Hunter Ray, not having a great 2020. He's only 17th in points. So it, for this, it's a breath of fresh air. It's it's wind in his sails, and he's going to use this to revitalize his championship year. It's probably not going to be a championship winning year for Takuma Sato unless something crazy happens, but it is one of those years where finishing 17th, that's not acceptable. He needs to be up inside the top 10. Bobby Rahal doesn't like people who finish outside of the top 15, say. So for Takuma, big achievement to be on the outside of row one. I, I, and that, I mean, that is, it's a fair point, uh, Jeremy, because normally being so early in the season, Indianapolis uh, is, um, you know, it, it, it has in recent years, but sometimes even been the first oval race as well. We, we've, we've had a little more racing under our belts uh, at, a, at a few different places here. So we almost get a bit of a reset for those people like Takuma Sato, who haven't had a great start to their season. They don't have to worry about the season because Indy, as we've said, is, is already something of um, a, 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 a leviathan as far as the season's concerned. It's a championship in its own way. And, and, you wouldn't count out Takuma, even if he'd qualified two or three for us further back. But he's clearly got a car that's going well, and RLL Racing have done a good job for him. Yeah, and he, his, I think his run on on uh, on Sunday, I think I was more impressed by that than than anybody else. I mean, mm. you know, he 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 was he went early uh, when conditions. You know, he didn't know what the conditions were. He was the first guy out there, you know, and the time stood you know, a long way through that fast nine qualifying run. I mean, he just laid it on the line as ever. You know, to, God, to Cuba, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained for him. I forget, I've forgotten his motto now, but it's basically you don't, you don't try, you don't get. Um, it's not that, but it's, it's, it's similar. Forgive me for forgetting that. But he's, you know, he's, he's always going to hang it out. He's, he's absolutely did that in qualifying. And if he's got a, if he's a factory in the closing stage of the race, if he's going to be, if he's in a position to go for the win, uh, he is going to go for the win. What impressed <laughs> me? Back. Oh yeah, yeah. Take, take a back, step back from your television set. What impressed me about he, that run, Jeremy? And and thank you for mentioning that because you've just reminded me something that I was going to say about that was, he wasn't the fastest outright, but. The consistency of the four laps in difficult conditions and the lack of 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 drop off that he had. In fact, if from memory, I think his second lap was actually quicker than his first, and then he, he really held up the pace of the of the second two laps. And that typically was wasn't what we saw at the weekend. That says to me that he's comfortable, he's confident, and that the the car is doing what he wants it to do. Yeah, you're right. He, his, his second lap was was fractionally slower than his first, but the, the consistency was was immense. It was really really impressive. Uh, you think only Scott Dixon was was more consistent on their on their final run, um, but uh, you know it, he he uh, he used the tools at his disposal in the cockpit with the weight jacker to to make sure that you know the car was balanced 
all the way through. He didn't push too hard early on, yeah. uh, and he was able to you know trim the car out and and still run four really really good laps and you know super impressive. You, you mentioned Scott Dixon, Chip Ganassi, middle of the front row, looked like he might be on pole position for the New Zealander. Man, they were clever. They were clever on Saturday. They went out late on a couple of things you do in there. You're stopping anybody else going out because it's single car qualifying. They may have just been trying something for Sunday as well. And they were on for a better time. But they bailed out of it because they didn't want to be going last. They liked the idea of being right in the middle of the fast nine. And come Sunday, Scott Dixon goes out and almost inevitably does exactly what you expect him to do, Jeremy. Brilliant, wasn't he? Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, the, the team, as you say, they, they played it right. He, he, he made four qualifying runs on Saturday. Yeah. Can't remember the last time anybody ran four, four complete qualifying laps. So, yeah, he, he bailed out the last one when he was looking good to, to be quickest of all. But, I mean, they were all really, really close. The, the, the four-lap averages for the, for the other runs that he had on Saturday were within you know, a half a mile an hour, which is within, you know, hundredths of a second, basically. Yeah. Um, and you know, he always says, as everybody else does who, who qualifies in Indianapolis, that's the most... The, the four most intense laps of the entire season, possibly of your career, uh, and to do four qualifying runs in one day, uh, that shows that you're know, not much daunt. Scott Dixon and each of them you know, was 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 very very consistent, and yeah, you know, they were properly prepared going into that final run. Brilliant job. And sure, you all will say when we do our preview and indeed our NTT Indy series, IndyCar series reviews, never count Dixie out until it's mathematically impossible for him to win a race or a championship. And 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 particularly, he knows how to win at the at the speedway as well. Uh, he was very, very magnanimous, and I I thought showed tremendous sporting intent um, when he was bumped off the pole position. Um, he, he's just an all-round good guy. And while everything that Jeremy said about you know how good he's already looked, frankly, even if he was mired down in the field, you would probably say to me, don't count out Dixie because he can make fuel. And if it's a fuel race again, as it has <laughs> been, he, he'll be the one that will come out the best. And you'd be absolutely right. I wouldn't be able to argue with you about that. Yeah, he's sort of like Batman. He's the hero that we don't deserve, but we all have and cheer for. And uh, that's that's Scott Dixon. I mean, he's been on pole three times, so he knows what that was like. And when Marco got it, he went over and he was one of the first people to congratulate him. And Correct. after his teammates got in and, and just to say, you know, hey, congrats, man. It's it's your day. It's your moment in the sun. And that's what Scott Dixon realizes. He's got a great lead in the championship. He's got the three wins on the year in his back pocket. He's won on ovals. He's won on road courses, but he's only won the Indy 500 once. And that is a big gap in his resume because he's won. I love the way you say that because there'll be drivers all over the world who would say, yeah, but he has won it once, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But I know what you mean. I know what you mean For, for the accomplishment that he's had in the series. He's quote unquote, only won the 500 once. If you look at it in, in strict terms of percentages, he's run the race 17 times and he's only won it once. So he would like to have that twice in 18 times. And <laughs> let's see if he can do it this year. But he is, without a doubt, the greatest driver of his generation. So we can't take that away from him. He did get the win once, 
but it would help if he had a couple more of those Berg Warner trophies in his cabinet too. Uh, and, and again, the uh, we've talked about consistency in his performance. That doesn't happen by accident, and he, you know, he's been with Chip for all of his career uh, as well, which is also an extraordinary achievement in the cut and thrust of of any motor racing. It was thirty three years ago this year. Uh, when last in Andretti was on the pole position for the Indianapolis 500. Marco Andretti was two months old when his grandfather, Mario, plonked his car on pole for that year's Indy 500. I've got to say, Jeremy, it was a very, very popular uh, result in terms of qualifying and probably, I think, given everything that's happened with Marco down through the years, given... Um, what everything that's happened with and the Andretti name down through the years, and and, and Michael never got pole position uh, at the at the speedway. I don't think there'd be very many people who would begrudge the pole position for Marco Andretti and the team, and Brian Herter playing a huge part in that. But my goodness, nobody gave it to him. He earned that, and he earned that properly. What a way to take pole! Sensational, was it? I mean, that was gripping. What those, those it was. The, like you were saying earlier on. I mean, it, it was it was so intense those last few few laps there. You know, he's got the experience. He's not the most charismatic of people, uh, Marco Andretti, but he's hugely well respected mm-hmm. and liked in the paddock. And it was great. I thought it was wonderful to see that outpouring of emotion. Uh, you, know, we've had this conversation in the past. I, I've always been a fan of Marco Andretti as a person, uh, particularly, and 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 I think you know, he's. He's there's, he's always under the microscope. Of course he is. Um, sometimes doesn't come across particularly well on camera. I thought his interview afterwards was, was excellent. I was thrill, thrilled to see that. Uh, and you know he just did an absolutely sensational job. I mean, you know he he, he got the pole by uh, all of you know, point uh, point one 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 of a second basically it was or something. It was no point zero point zero. Uh, Put zero, zero one one or something of a second. One three, yeah, yeah. zero one three, yeah. crazy. Uh, and yeah, all all the cars were dropping off on their final lap, and he held it together, and he came away with the pole position. And I think it's tremendous for him, and great for the sport. And uh, I think you know he's uh, he's got his tail up, hasn't he? I, I loved the tweet during the week from Marco that said, "I can't win. I go out and I get in a tour, and." My dad and Brian Hurt are telling me, get out the tour. That's not going to help you for the weekend. So I get out the tour and I get a, a text from my grandfather saying, what are you doing at that speed? Why aren't you in the tour? Well, I suspect they were all very happy. And uh, w- there was clearly a lot of emotion from, from Michael uh, uh, as well. I thought Brian Hurt was the epitome of, of cool, as he, as he always is. The other thing that I'm going to throw into this, and this was something that his grandfather, Mario Andretti, said Maybe the kid's just a late bloomer. And, and do you know what? I'd like to think that's true, Shay, to be honest, because, you know, that there have been people who've been writing off Marco Andretti. He should have done it by now. If he's not done it by now, he's never going to do it. He's got a great chance to prove everybody wrong here. Yeah, he does. Uh, 2020 hasn't exactly gone his way so far. I mean, he's 21st in poll, at 21st in, in points. We could say that for the, about the last 10 years of racing to be honest, for, yes. for Marco. Yes, it, he hasn't won a race in a very long time either. But in terms of the pole position and what he accomplished on Sunday, the most important thing he's done in his career thus far, yeah. bar none. Yeah. So yeah. it's 
it is a turning point and it, it is a late bloomer sort of situation. The question is, where does he go from here? Can he convert the poll into the win like Simon Pagano did last year? Or is it going to be a situation where we refer to him in years to come as the guy who won the Indy 500 poll? A little bit like Hinch. Yeah. Because that's yeah. Hinch's greatest accomplishment yeah. to date, too. Yeah. So it is an interesting comparison. And where Marco goes from here really is something to watch for over the next couple of years. OK, um, I'll just throw this in. I had a long chat with um, Fernando Alonso uh, after he made his debut at the Indy 500. And of course, he was running with Andretti in those days. And Marco set the car up for uh, uh, Fernando's rookie test, which we were down in Texas uh, and I remember watching it all online when it was happening because it was all done. Um, and Fernando Alonso has nothing but praise for Marco Andretti, not only for his driving talent, but how also he helped him and he spoke to him and he set the car up for him and, and said what changes he might want to make, etc., etc. So clearly not only is he very... There's no bad drivers in this field, let's be absolutely honest. And Marco may not have had the results over the last few years, but but he's still quite obviously a very very good racing driver and maybe just maybe it's his uh, weekend this weekend we'll come back to the overall winner in just a moment uh who's your pick Shea adam for the best rookie uh let's <laughs> go with renus why not i like the kid i i like to see him do well and i like the fact that he's driving on a three-car team where he was definitely not expecting to be the strongest guy out of all of those with uh, Connor Daly and with Ed Carpenter. So let's hope that Renus can put on a good show and continue to outperform his two way more accomplished teammates. That's uh, kind of fun. And that, in some ways, does that qualifying performance put more pressure on Renus VK? Uh, Jeremy Shaw, is he your pick for, for best of the, the rookies? Look, I think uh, as, as with the overall, the pick for the rookie can be yeah, it's a lottery. It really is a lottery. Uh, all of the, of, the, of the rookies are good. Uh, they're all capable. They've all got a car that can get them up towards the front. It's going to come down to, to the luck of the draw. So, um, you know, yeah, uh, so, you know, he's done a stellar job, uh, taken full advantage of everything he's, he's, every opportunity he's had in qualifying. That's the key to getting a success at the end of the day as well, isn't it? So, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's nailed it. It's going to be difficult for him. I mean, you know, he's not been in this scenario before uh of course because he's a rookie at the indianapolis motor speedway so you know it's going to be a steep learning curve for him in the race but you know he has done the, the advantage he has and, and oliver askew has over alex polo let's say is the fact that you know, he's done uh, at least what we've done one freedom 100 uh, in the indy lights and yeah. you know he, he had a good run there oliver Askew won that race last year in brilliant style. The only, I think the only guy who's actually won the Freedom 100, actually, I don't think, I'm not sure anybody, any of actually anybody who's, who's won it. Uh, Ed Carpenter uh, hasn't won the 500 yet. So he's mm. still trying to, to break through. But Oliver Askew could become the first guy to win both of them. Uh, wow. um, it's, 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 it's wide open. It's absolutely wide open. But Rena's hats off to a great job he's done, and he's got he's got a mentor there in Ari Lewandijk, which is a big factor as well. And you know this is what this is thirty years on from Ari's win. He's got the tribute to Ari on his helmet, which I think is super cool. I was there for Ari's win, which was very very special in, in all sorts of different ways. So that Shearson team, you know, I'd known Ari, yeah, you know, back then. What was that? That was nineteen. 
90, I'd been in the States then for five years. I'd known Ari since his Formula 3 days in Europe. So uh, yeah, I, I know how emotional it can be to be racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when you come away with the first win. Uh, and for, 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 for Rinos, he's got everything in, in his corner to be able to pull that off, no question. Uh, you, you mentioned that it, it's a bit of a lottery. So obviously you've got all 33 names on a dartboard at the moment, Jeremy. If you just want to throw that dart now and tell me who's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had one handy because that, that's that's about what I could do. Um, gosh. You I said think, earlier uh, on, and I think, this, I think this is a fair point. You said earlier on that pretty much anybody could win. Now, obviously that is a truism in most any motor race. But the no, it's depth, not. But the, strange things can happen it will not necessarily take strange things to make that happen here Jeremy this is a deep field this is a field that is very evenly matched what we don't know is how the two engine manufacturers are going to stack up in terms of fuel consumption and performance during the race but let's assume that they're going to be somewhere near close and we won't see the kind of advantage that Honda had in in qualifying and it, it really could be just about anybody yeah, it absolutely good. You make a very, very good point there. Uh, but but uh, it is wide open. Yeah, I think Dixie's got a bit of a favourite. You know, he's starting up front. Uh, he's won the race before. He's been the dominant guy this season out there. You know, he's, he's scored more points than anybody else by yet. Uh, but you've got he's, you know, nearly 50 ahead of everybody else right now. Uh, and he's scored more points on both road courses and ovals every, this year than everybody by by a you know, by a considerable margin. Actually, Simon Pagano uh, is... Uh, is, is pretty pretty close to him in the oval points coming into this round because we've had a couple of oval races already. Uh, but uh, gosh, you know, it's it, it's going to be fun. But yeah, Di- I think I think Dixie has to be my man. Uh, there'll be a lot of people looking through the field and towards the back of the field. Some of the big names that we mentioned here, they're by no means out of it by qualifying down. I'm thinking of pe- people like Elio, like Simon Pagino, like Tony Canan, Will Power, all of whom are further down. Fernando Alonso, a lot of international interest will be watching him, of course, on Sunday. But... You're a Dixon fan. I know you are, and you're a Dixon fan because he's successful. Uh, and, and when I say a fan, I mean you tend to pick the people who win because you look at the stats. So Dixie's got to have a, as good a chance as anybody, better than some, as as, as Jeremy has said. Um, what else are you picking out? Who else are you picking out? Well, my preseason pick uh, made back in January was for Elliot to win the race, but that was the race in May. So, of course, I have to go for a different preseason pick um and i do like numbers i I like correlation in 1919 the world was in the middle of a global pandemic that pretty much brought everything to its knees the man who won that race was howdy wilcox he started in the second position scott dixon is starting in the second position in the middle of a global pandemic so i i am going to stick with dixie and he's a guy who's led more laps than anyone else of the indy 500 it's a 200 lap race and over his career he's led 462 so he deserves to get that second win and and i know people don't deserve to win races and they they don't earn things but when you look at it and you think about the year that he's having you've got to think that scott dixon has to have just maybe a slightly better odds on to win this race well we will know 
by midweek, well, by Sunday night and on Midweek Motorsport next week we'll be talking about it. My great thanks to Shea Adam and Jeremy Shaw for joining me, John Hindoff, on this look at the NTT IndyCar. Indy 500, the 104th running uh, of the greatest spectacle in American racing presented by Gamebridge. It's off at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, uh, so that's what, 6 o'clock uh, in the UK, 7 o'clock Central European time. And just, I'm just going to say, I hope Marco wins it. I really do. And, and and that's not because I dislike anybody else. I just think it would be a great story. And as Jeremy said, his qualifying performance was on the ragged edge of extraordinary um it's going to be a great race it always is it's a great spectacle even without the crowds and well we'll be talking about it whatever happens we'll find out on sunday thanks again for listening to this special program from radio show limited this program is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com